Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 683 for April 28th, 2021. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. I could not be more excited to invite to the show our guest, Christoph Zajek-Denik. Christoph worked as a TV producer while touring in a rock band. He's a drummer. He's an actor. He's a stuntman, a surfer, a journalist, a podcaster, and public speaker. He also graduated from Michigan State University, which was where my dad and my brother went to school. So I knew he'd be cool. Welcome to the show, Christoph. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Allison. This is awesome to be on the show with you. I appreciate it. So um, my audience is going to be wondering what I'm doing talking to someone in a rock band and a drummer because I don't actually listen to music. And they know that. (laughs) It's a whole thing. Um, Anyway, yeah, I'm not into music. uh, Let's just uh, talk about that, Allison. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with you? Well, I tell you what, look up... um, Music-specific anhedonia, and then you will understand why I don't. Uh, there's an okay. article in The Atlantic where I'm actually quoted about it, so uh, it's a thing. Interesting. It, okay. Yeah, music just doesn't do anything for me. It's Interesting. sad. It's a missing piece of me, but uh, I don't wow. have it. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> totally, totally valid. That's very interesting. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, apparently it's pretty rare. But anyway, this isn't about me. Um, There's one little thing I did leave out of the introduction of Christoph. He is four feet, four inches tall and has a rare form of dwarfism. And he's a podcaster and I am now addicted to this show. His podcast (laughs) is called I'm Kind of a Big Deal. And like I said, it's become a favorite of mine. And the the big danger in this interview with you is that it's going to run seven hours. Because every single episode, I've thought of 38 questions I want to ask you about things you talked about. So I, I'm probably going to cut us off constantly and say, okay, nope, go listen no to that pee episode. Breaks. No pee breaks, just straight seven hours. <laughs> Power through. <laughs> 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 so uh, why don't you give people the elevator pitch on what your podcast is about? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for having me on the show, Allison. I'm a fan of your show as well. And your energy, like you have such incredible energy. And so I'm so glad that I get to be be interviewed by you and be on your show. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, my show is called I'm Kind of a Big Deal. And I say that I share uh, huge stories about little people. Um, I'm a little person with a rare form of dwarfism. Like you heard, I'm four foot four inches tall. And on my show, I want to share the real experience of dwarfism and what it actually is like for people of short stature. And I interview amazing folks who are the tiniest stripper in the world to individuals who are queer to individuals. uh, One individual was the first little person professional skateboarder. And that was a great interview. That was fantastic. And I don't know anything about skateboarding and I still loved it. You kind of don't have to know anything about skateboarding and just listening to Poncho's emotion and, you know, his passion, I think it comes across. I mean, these are stories about little people, but first they're stories about humans. And that's what I really want to get across is that we are in the container of little people, you know, relatively so. But at the same time, we're in the container of being human. And all of our stories have many relatable aspects. And so that's what I really love about my show. One thing that I really love (laughs) about my show and doing my show is it, I mean, it's opened my eyes, you know, I, for a really long time, I wanted to push away little people and not include them in my, in my inner circle, you know, in my, in my friend groups and just in my 
the things that I subscribe to and um, believe in and accept. That's the word I'm going for. Like I didn't want to accept little people and that's, I've done a 180. It's changed 100% for me. And my show is, my show is a fire for me and I, and I absolutely love it. Yeah. So I think one of the things that really makes that whole idea work of that you're interviewing people who happen to be little is because it's an audio podcast, there is no distraction of going, whoa, she's short. You know, you don't you don't see that because what you hear is a person like I was just listening to the interview with Alexia, who's an actress, and it just melts away. I mean, you talk about the fact that she's a little person and how how that affects getting jobs and and in uh, acting. But it's about a person, and yeah. you can you can hear that because you're just hearing, and I think, it, it, it helps I, I think open your mind. I think. I think from your experience and having done so many shows and being a such a professional at this, you get that right off the bat. You know, I know that you understand that, like, the, and that's that's what I'm going for with this exactly because so many people have said, "Oh, I would love to see these people. Why don't you do video?" And my first thing is man, I'm stressed out enough just doing an audio show. I can't do video as well. But also in that restriction, you get the beauty of just that personal hearing of the voice and listening to someone talk and hearing their uh, their emotion and their inflection and the words that they choose and their laughter and all that stuff. And that, that is, I love that too. Like, I think There's that is a lot important. of laughter on your show. A <laughs> lot of laughter. Like when I heard you, I knew I was just like, okay, this guy's going to be a friend of mine. And I do want to give a shout out to Anthony Lemos, uh, who works on DTNS and good friend of mine. He told yeah. me, he said, you got to know Christoph cause this is the coolest guy. Oh man. Those it, Amos and Kent. Oh, I love, I've been on ritual misery podcast twice and it's always so fun. Those guys are amazing. Um, yeah, shout out to, to Amos and Kent. Thank you so much for putting me in touch uh, with Allison. But, uh, you know, that's what I want, though. I like, I think their show was the first show that I ever was a guest on. And I, I knew what I was doing with my podcast. But, you know, you're still figuring it out as, you know, I'm 37 episodes in. So I'm still, it's still a process. You know what I mean? I don't have a, a formula completely down. But I know I didn't want it to be a clinical discussion about dwarfism because I want people to show up and hear the voices like you said and hear the laughter and have it be this thing that you don't have to be so precious about and you don't have to be so mm. clinical about and because we are people and honestly there's funny stuff that happens all the time and why not let it make you laugh you know i mean that's the best right. the best way to be well so the interviews come out very uh very positive because of that uh, because it's not it's not filled with angry people you know, it's filled with people who find joy in life and are doing amazing things. So it's, I think that really makes it work. Uh, but we're probably teasing that too much. I, I do want to step into one thing. Um, I think a lot lately about the words we use. And I used to be one of those people who hated it when a word became politically incorrect and you had to change. And I used to kid around saying, okay, as long as you do fewer syllables, I'll change. But you can't add syllables. It's, it's too hard. <laughs> sure. You know, uh, like person hole cover. Nope. 
It's a manhole cover till you come up with a one word, <laughs> word, a word. So I've, I've started noticing things <laughs> like the shift in saying enslaved people as opposed to slave, because those people weren't slaves, they were enslaved. And that's an important way to say that differently. So yeah. I want to I want to think about that when um, you talk about dwarfism, would you also say you are a dwarf or are you a person with dwarfism? I don't have a problem saying, you know, I'm a little person, I'm a dwarf, I'm a person with dwarfism. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I that stuff doesn't necessarily bother me. It doesn't have a negative impact for me at this moment. You know, I guess that's something that that could change. Um but little I, person sounds more like a person who is little. You know, it, it yeah. not not defining but an adjective. So th- I I love this question because uh, and variations of this question because th- the the best way to call someone is their name and this is this is my call this is my call to action for your listeners and anyone else who encounters a little person because you don't need to call us a little person you don't need to call us a dwarf or a person with dwarfism if you subscribe to the to the idea that you should call someone by their name that means that the next time you see a little person or you encounter a little person you have to identify yourself and introduce yourself in order to get the other person's <laughs> Ooh, name. Sounds way too hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's hard, but it's 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 really easy. You know, it's the it's a really simple human thing to do because that tells the other person whether they are little or not, or in a wheelchair, or hard of hearing, or whatever it is that you see them as a person. You don't see them as a label. And it shows them immediately that even if it's a hard, messy interaction, at least there was an effort to humanize that individual in that moment. And that's what I really want to get across. You know, I don't want people to look and stare and say, oh, I called them a little person. That was the right PC thing to do. It's like, no, yes, we are little people, but also, you know, go up to us. We're human. We're, we're, we're fine. We're going to talk and laugh about stuff, you know, and you might get a new friend who's really an incredible human being um, that you never would have if you didn't try. So that's kind of my, my call to action when, whenever that question gets posed. I like that. And it, it kind of just brought 12 more questions along with it, <laughs> uh, which, which is great. Um, I saw a TikTok video. There's a there's a guy whose uh, mom uh, has dwarfism, and they do really really funny videos together. And he's such a little snot to his mom; it's hilarious. Yeah, and, is that uh, the guy with the trombone? And he's like playing yeah. pranks on his mom all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, like he walked. Oh, he, he's taller than she is, obviously. And so as he walked over her head, he made a sneeze sound and he sprayed a spray bottle. So like a second later, she's just like ah. It's really funny. But one of the little skits he did was how to how to stand when you're talking to a little person. And he does all these really funny things. Like at one point, he actually picks her up and puts her on a stool. And she looks at the camera. It's like, no, not that. That's not what you do. <laughs> and there's all these no ways. If I walk up to you to say, uh, hey, Christoph, nice to meet you. I'm Allison. Do I stand, sit, crouch? What do I do? I say you you do what's comfortable in the moment, you know? If if you're feeling like it's okay to to crouch down to talk to me, I've noticed in my life and 
specifically in my dating life that when a woman has crouched down in front of me, that means that it's game on and we're probably going to make out <laughs> or they just really want to have that connection straight eye, you know, yeah. eye to eye. And I didn't know that until it happened a couple of times. And then I was like, oh, this is that's probably what that, what means. that means. Okay. So um, now I got to rethink whether I want to crouch down when I meet you because that's probably not going to happen. See, well, that's, you know, that's the thing is like, what do you want the, the thing to be? And also it's okay to ask that person, Hey, is it okay that I crouch down? Like, is that comfortable for you? Or is that yeah, awkward yeah, you for go. you? And, and because it's I'd different, probably sit on the floor is what I would do. Cause I'm really comfortable sitting on the floor. So that might I, be an easy way for me to do get around it. Yeah. I mean, I say have the discussion because, um, you know, certain people are, are of different abilities and different preferences with the things that they like and don't like. And that's, that's one of the questions that I ask on my show is how do you feel? And I've gotten different answers almost every single time. Wait, Some people, each little person is different? Yeah. Each that little can't. person is different. Yeah. <laughs> we are, we right. are a mixed bag as I frequently say, but yeah. I mean, just I mean, like people. Just like people. Exactly. Interesting. You know, one of the other things I was thinking about uh, while I was vacuuming and listening to your show this morning uh, was I was uh, listening to or watching a podcast, a video about um, a company that had employed those uh, little little like TV robots that you drive around where they're Internet connected. So you're not actually at the party. You're like like Sheldon did on uh, on uh, can't remember the name of Big Bang Theory. Okay. Where it's a little TV monitor that rolls around and it's like a person, except it's just their face. And, and uh, they do it for remote meetings and things like that. Sure. And there was this uh, man and a woman talking about it who had worked on it. And the guy had gone to an event uh, with this thing and he said, OK, it worked great. Yeah, I really felt like it was there. But the problem was I wasn't my normal height. So I need to I need it to be taller. And she said, no, you don't. Because you know what height that is? That's my height. Yeah, And he suddenly had this completely different perspective of where he fit because of his own height. And and it, the reason I wanted to bring it up to you is I realized one of the things that's impossible to do is feel what it's like to be a different height, yeah. right? I mean, you could maybe get down on your knees for a few minutes or something, but you don't realize what you don't know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's fine. I don't, I don't... Th- I don't task people with walking a mile in my shoes or, or seeing the world at my height because, you know, you're never going to experience what it's like to be <laughs> me. That's one thing that I just, I, it's not hugely important to me that that is an experience that people have because, you know, I, I've had the, the mental struggles and I've had the physical struggles as well that, go along with dwarfism that don't necessarily, they impact my height, you know, but they're, um, you know, my height is kind of a resultant of the, the, the dwarfism, obviously. So I don't expect anyone to, to try that. What I have thought of that works is just to have that empathy and have that connection to that person as a person because it doesn't really matter. You know, it could be, you know, I don't know what it's like to wheel around in a wheelchair. And so if I try that, like maybe I'll feel more connected. I, I definitely uh, appreciate and understand the, the effort for that, but I, I think there is a way to have a stronger connection and a stronger 
um, bond and understanding and acceptance in in other ways. Well, that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see, I see what you're talking about there. The, um, let me shift gears, and you did. Yeah at least two episodes, maybe three on this topic. So I don't want to divert from that. But I learned the craziest thing about leg bones from listening to you describe the surgery that you had on your legs. Can you give people the brief description of what you had done? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So I started seeing a dwarfism specialist at age two, and he came up with a plan for me throughout my uh, youth and teenage years. And at six, I had a significant reconstructive leg surgery where um, they made, the biggest thing was they made non-unions out of my fibulas. And the fibulas are the lower leg bone that are non-weight-bearing bones. And when the fibulas grow more quickly than the tibias, they cause bow-leggedness. You can see that in... uh, a number of conditions of dwarfism and um, average height people have it as well. Some, some folks you'll see their, their lower legs are bowed, but it can be more um, accentuated in little people. And so they took a chunk of bone out of my fibulas. They're still not connected now that I'm 41. Um, it's called that, a knot. That, that's bananas. That yes, is bananas. bananas. You you have a leg bone, so you only have two two lower leg bones, right? There's Correct. the uh, tibia and the fibula. Correct. And you said I learned from you that the tibia is the weight bearing bone, and then the fibula is the one in back. And uh, I think it's alongside. It yes. Oh, okay. Yep. So they just split it, and they're just two bones hanging out there. Yeah. Not connected. Yeah. The so the <laughs> the bones make the ankle joints and the knee joint. Um, the tops and bottoms of the of those bones help make the those joints, and you know, so there I still have uh, original equipment down there. They've just been you know <laughs> altered a little bit, <laughs> shaved off, if you will, or chomped out. That, um, that is crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, just, I your leg is so dense, though, you know, that unless there's a significant trauma, you know, nothing is really going to happen, and. Uh, I'm extremely lucky. Um, you know, we found this doctor who performed these mind-blowing surgeries on me at 6 and 16, and I wouldn't be able to be as active as I am right now had I not had these surgeries and grown up knowing this man um, from a very young age. And that's huge. You know, these surgeries are unorthodox and don't seem like they would ever work, but uh, they do. And I'm I'm very fortunate to be the recipient. So Christoph did an episode of uh, describing it by himself, but then the follow-on episode, I cried like a baby because his mother described what it was like from her <laughs> yeah. perspective, putting her six-year-old son through this. And then, but it's not that description. It's the ending where you thank her. And I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil it anymore than that, but I was just like tears streaming down my oh. face. It was the most, it oh, was, thanks, it was Allison. heartwarming. It was, it was just such a, such a cool episode. And, and to share that part of yourself, I think is really extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, my mom, both my mom and my dad, I, I, I would not be who I am, where I am, what I am, if it wasn't for them. And they really fought hard for me. They really sought out the best care they possibly could. They did the absolute best they possibly could. And it was the right thing to do. And I'm, I'm forever grateful because I live 
a very good life um, physically, and it's really You're awesome. a surfer. I'm a surfer. Yep. I'm addicted. <laughs> I want to be in the ocean all the time. Oh, I, I, I get you. I, I am not happy unless I'm near water. Yeah. Like the, the idea of living inland, I couldn't do it. I could be near a lake. That'd be okay. Or a river, but I got, it's like I get energy from the, uh, from the water. I've, I've always felt that way myself. Growing up in Michigan, we had the lakes. Oh yeah. I've always been drawn to big water. That's really good. <laughs> Beautiful to I'm going to put it on my bucket list that I'm going to have you teach me to surf. Hey, I have students. I'll teach you to surf. Let's do, do it. Really? Oh, yeah. Be, I'm also extremely clumsy, so that'll be fun. That's all right. <laughs> Surfing, the ocean will teach you real good. <laughs> the, <laughs> the ocean does not care. It is, uh, it'll be... Beats everybody up the same. It, oh, I've, I've been beat up so many times, but I still want to go back. Uh, yeah, I still have not learned my lesson, so I will keep going back. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. Now, in a lot of your episodes, you talk about acting, about your acting experiences and the acting experiences of others, um, of other little people. And man, was that an eye opener to me about the kinds of roles that little people get. And and probably, again, most vivid when you interviewed Alexia, where she had a, a quote unquote normal role. She yeah. was just playing a person. Yeah, but that's exactly. not usually what happens, right? It never happens. I mean, that that commercial, um, I, w- I will say her name is actually Alexa, which is oh. incredible because it, it's spelled Alexia. Oh, okay. But it's pronounced Alexa. It throws, it throws, it threw me through the entire episode because I'm like, Alexa, and I had to keep <laughs> telling myself. But the easy way to remember it is she was hired in an Amazon commercial, which is amazing. (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, we aren't cast in very humanizing roles or roles that paint us in a picture of having a regular life or leading, you know, a, a normal life with friends and family and loved ones and heartbreak and um, the real story about dwarfism and little people we're often cast as caricatures of humans or caricatures of fantasy elements props you know i mean i saw an interview of mike myers um and he was reminiscing over Vern troyer's passing and he said, you know, Mini-Me was just supposed to be a prop, but Vern Troyer really brought him to life. And hmm. to me, that's just like, yeah, but Vern Troyer is a beautiful soul. You know, he's a guy. He's not a, an individual to just bring to like a prop set to it, life. Set it down here on, on the exactly. table. And, you know, I'm I'm speaking from my perspective. I don't know all the avenues and everything, but to me... That doesn't always feel so good, you know. I I really want somebody to be seen for their worth and to be seen for their humanity and their their personality, and that isn't how it's gone for us. And so the Amazon commercial that came out last year with Alexa, it showcases a little person at a party. It's a holiday commercial, which normally is it's very easy to cast an elf or some other mythical christmas creature oh yeah it was actually at christmas so they they could have they could have done the uh the obvious thing that's normally done right 
Yep, but she is just a person at a dinner party hanging out with friends, laughing at some jokes, which is amazing. And then they're, uh, I don't even think they're little person jokes. I think they're just human <laughs> jokes. You know, there's no audio for what is being said or the laughter or anything. It's just a voiceover and a, and a music track. But damn, that's so cool. And also, come on, Hollywood and production and brands and commercials. Let's start having this be the norm instead of this rarity that is never seen because as I've proven on my show, little people are incredible people who deserve to be seen in the light of day and without tons of makeup and without costumes and face prosthetics and wigs and tons of foam. I think why couldn't you be a lawyer in a right. scene where it's not even brought up. Absolutely. Right? Why, why couldn't that be? There isn't any reason. Why not? I I totally agree. And I want to take it one step further where it's a lawyer that you get to know his backstory. You get to know his or her layers, you know, not mm-hmm. just this, not just a hard ass lawyer in some firm somewhere. Oh, and that's all, that's all you see. You know, I want to, I, I want to see, what is their life actually like? You know, mm-hmm. what was, what were the things actually that went to um, determine that they become a lawyer or what is their family dynamic like, you know, share that with us and not just this nebulous, you know, screen of a, of a person. Right. Right. I, I was thinking about the scene in, um, in Elf where Peter Denglish is the, uh, the, the great, artist of children's books and they bring him in as a consultant and he's this real hard-nosed guy and he's all business and wants to be paid and all this stuff but then of course it turns into him being called an elf yeah and it's like well not like that that movie needed to be serious but he was he was this guy you know he had a he had a whole story behind him but then of course it turned into that um and then ter- he be- becomes angry and runs across, stands on the table and runs across the table. You know, it's, and, be- and beats a snout out of Will Ferrell, as it turns right, out. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's, I mean, uh, Peter Dinklage is incredible. And, you know, the, the closest that I can see to a, a real depiction of dwarfism in a film is another Peter Dinklage movie, and that's The Station Agent. And it's a beautiful film where they touch on the loneliness and the the struggles and the desire to be seen and be a human being in this world and it it's kind of his breakout uh movie i would say uh breakout performance he's done stuff before that but that in my opinion as soon as i saw that movie i said how do they know what I'm going through. Who mm. knows? Like who told them what my life is like? Cause oh, this wow. is, this is the first time I've ever seen it. I, I just wrote down the name of that, the station agent with Peter and English. I'll definitely go, go watch that. Yep. The, um, you did an, um, an episode of your show that made me so angry about <laughs> the filming of a, I forget if it was a commercial. It was out in the desert. And oh, yeah. Music it, it, video. It, it's worth listening to just to I think it really grabs at what what Christoph was talking about about the uh being treated like a prop. You were furniture 
in that. You were you were a box checked like, okay, did we remember to pack the lamp? We got Kristoff. No, yeah. we didn't get Kristoff. We got little person, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And I just I just had no idea that it was like that. And that was that that just that was it was an infuriating episode. I was <laughs> I was angry on your behalf the way Thank that you. went. I will take that as a compliment um, because that's what I want. And it's it's not just little people. My focus is little people because I'm a little person and this is what I know. But damn, I, I'm i I'm calling out Hollywood, you know? I'm, I'm tired of the mistreatment. I'm tired of the low pay for all of this incredible talent and incredible work and the mistreatment that goes along with that. And it's not okay whether you're little, have some other sort of disability, or you're just an average height person who's trying to get into the industry. I'm, I've seen people just taken advantage of, and I'm just really tired of it. And that episode was, outside of even just being a prop on that show, the treatment that I received was uh, horrendous from production and... Um, yeah, that was a tough, it felt good to talk about that and Cathartic, get it out there. I bet, to get it out. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. thanks for listening. And I'm glad it made you really mad. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You know, talking about representation in, uh, and, and seeing Alexa in this, uh, in this commercial as a person, I don't think, um, I really understood how much representation matters until just recently. I mean, I, I like to admit I'm an idiot, right? But a friend of mine, uh, who, I am too, one hundred percent. All right, good, good. Um, a friend of mine is um, uh, wears a hearing aid, and he contacted me. I haven't talked to him in probably six months, and he said, "Allison, did you see the the ad for the the uh, upcoming event from Apple? One of the people has a hearing aid on." And yeah. it was it was like they see me, you know, and mm -hmm. it's like, you know, this guy's in his 40s. He's a professional guy. He's got everything going on. I never thought that he would think that, that that, that would be, hey, they see me. I, I just didn't that that made it really stand out to me how important it is to see people who are like you. Yeah, absolutely. There is another movie that I will drop right now that is. Uh, I think it's become one of my favorite films and it. I, I never knew about this. I watched it about a year ago. It's Crip Camp. Um, so beautiful. C-R-I-P, like cripple, camp. Oh, um, and it's about the group of folks who, I think it was in the late 60s, there was a summer camp that was uh, staffed by hippies and it's it just accepted all disabled people because disabled people couldn't go to other camps, regular camp, quote unquote. And so, okay. you know, they never had the camp experience, but this camp experience was strictly for them. And they were allowed to talk as much as they wanted. They were allowed to share ideas. They were allowed to explore themselves sexually with other folks they had sports. They did, you know, they just, they went to camp. It was awesome. And I, sex I, being a big part of camp. <laughs> I mean, as a teenager, like that's the other thing too. Like I think people look at disability, specifically dwarfism, 
specifically dwarfism and they say, oh, this is, you know, you are fetishized. You are a box to check off my sexual desire list or my sexual adventure list. And, you know, it's, (laughs) we're still people, you know, it's like, (laughs) we don't fall into that category um, 100%. And I think that it's important to, to realize that. So, so Crip Camp, I was laughing my head off, bawling my eyes out. It's such a beautiful movie. And it, it, Judy Human was one of the, the main um, characters of the film. And she also was one of the huge driving uh, catalysts for uh, the ADA movement, you know, and getting ADA um, Americans with Disabilities uh, Act. Act. Uh, yep. Into um, law. Into law and establishment. Well, you can get it into law, but it takes a lot more to actually have companies and establishments adopt those and spend the money and make things ADA compatible. And her comment is essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, but throughout their lives, you know, disabled people would be better off just being dead or not being a part of society. That's, that's her view. And that's a paraphrased version of her view from Christoph, but it's really true. I mean, how much easier would it be to just not have to spend a bunch of money to make an accessible toilet, not have to spend a bunch of money to make accessible ramps, not spend a bunch of money to have to lower all the doorknobs. And this is still evident in society. Last year, I was driving up the coast to go stay with a friend of mine in Seattle, and I stopped at an Airbnb along the way, and I befriended befriended this family, and I ended up spending an extra night at this Airbnb. And one of the comments that this one of the individuals made, we were all getting along like we were, you know, it was a it was a good rapport. One of the comments that this individual made was, I don't understand how if a family has a family member who is in a wheelchair and a vegetable that they just don't, quote unquote, let them go. Ooh. And that was my, uh, that was my time to exit the house. <laughs> that was okay, time, bye-bye. time for me to go. And there's so much that's attached to that. You know, there's a lot of emotion that's attached to that. It's heartbreaking that people can actually believe that and say that to me, you know, like they know, they knew a a part of my story. They knew a big part of my story about the, the surgeries. And obviously they saw I'm little, like you can't escape being little. It's very visible. (laughs) But to suggest that a family does away with a loved one because they are a quote unquote vegetable in the terms of this individual I, it just, we have a long way to go, you know, (laughs) we have a long, long way to go. And I think that society would think it's easier if we weren't around, but we're here and we contribute to society in really big and incredible ways. And whether or not we do, like we deserve to be here. 
I'm an eternal optimist, but it, it seems like having representation uh, in ads and and you know TV spots or whatever on magazine covers makes it, it quote unquote normalizes it, right? Makes it just like oh yeah, that's that's what I'm used to seeing. That that's that's just people. Um, I, I mentioned you in my email that I've been uh, really enjoying how on TikTok. I don't know if it's because TikTok's algorithm discovered I like this or whether this is always there for everybody, but they've normalized so many different disabilities. I'm watching there's there's a couple of twin baby boys uh, who have Down syndrome that are the cutest little boys on the entire planet. I mean, I just love watching these guys. They're hilarious. They're really, really cute. Yeah. Um, you know, there there's a girl with Down syndrome who's uh, selling shirts uh, and the shirts say, be kind to everyone. And I just love watching this girl. She's just fantastic. Um, uh, like I said, the 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 guy with his his mom who has dwarfism, and and they're just having a good time. You know, there's so many different things in life that people are just out there and and hanging out talking about it. And yeah. it, it to me that normalizes it. That makes it like the next time I see a, a, a child with Down syndrome, I am much more likely to want to go play with that kid because they look fun. You no, know? Abs- absolutely. That that's that's what I've learned from doing my show is having the exposure and having the experience with other little people. It evens that playing field so much more than not, you know, the alternative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hang out with a lot of blind people because of the podcast, because audio is a great form for uh, visually impaired people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a captive audience that can't get away. Um, but that is completely <laughs> normalized to me now to to be hanging out with people who can't see. There, there's no, you know, it's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. That that's interesting. Now, what kind of geeky stuff have you done this week? Is what I want to know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The exposure, I think, to all of us. I mean, I think people, you know, a long time ago used to literally be hidden, right? People yeah, would be can't get you know, out of I house. think we'll put you in yeah, we'll put you in institution. Um my my that reminds me, my brother worked in a group home for developmentally de- developmentally disabled adults, and one of the guys was like sixty years old and he had three fingers on one hand. And it turned out when he was born, they assumed that he was developmentally disabled because he had three fingers on one hand. So he'd been institutionalized most of his life, and it turns out he wasn't. Oh my gosh. You know, it's like we have come a long way, but it yeah, we have a long way to go. We still have a long way to go. There are new people being born every day and there are new <laughs> people who, and, and also I, I understand it. You know, I, I'm, I'm not shaming anyone for not being like, you should be curious about little people. I, mm. I, you know, look at us, you know, we are visibly different. It's very unique to have short limbs and short arms, short legs, a different body shape. There are over 250 different types of dwarfism, I believe, and it's a mixed bag. So you could have achondroplasia, which is the most common form, and everyone has a different experience. Some people have had zero surgeries. Some people have had surgeries into the double digits. You know, it's really a different experience, and it's a very individual experience. And I think that just shows you how human it actually is because we all have such individual and unique experiences, whether you're average height or not, you know, like you have certain preferences and orientations and it's, it's very, it's very individual. 
You talked on uh, one of your shows, uh, you started telling the story and then you and your your, uh, co-host got off onto another topic, but you started talking about how children react to you and and you it sounded like you were going to tell two stories one the jerk kid and one the non-jerk kid and what i, I want to know what the the non-jerk kid is like what do you remember that where you were going with that there was i i remember i have a couple stories that are non-jerk kids and just really cute interactions um one of them uh I was actually down in Oceanside for a surfing competition and I went to Seaside Market because that grocery store is amazing. Um, And I was getting my food and going about my business and I had a beard at the time and I'm bald for your audience. Um, So four foot four inch guy bald with a beard and glasses. And this little kid who was probably, I don't know, five saw me and tugged on his mom's shirt and said, mommy, why is that little boy all alone? Oh, and I thought that why does he have a beard? Right. Exactly. I thought that and bald. And I thought that was so interesting and adorable that, you know, that was this little kid's innocent reaction to me, you know, he obviously yeah. saw me and wanted to call Make me sure out. You were okay. Yeah. Why is that little boy all alone? It's a different, yeah. I'm 115 pounds at four foot four. Like I'm not even medically the, I'm, uh, by medical standards, I am obese, <laughs> um, which is interesting, but I am, I'm a solid active physical guy you know yeah i i I, I might have stalked your uh website and seen exactly how ripped you are that's not that's not flab you're talking about there (laughs) it's yeah i don't have i don't have a lot of like extra stuff to work with but i'm i'm a solid human that has man shoulders and a man's (laughs) beard so it's i just think it's so interesting that that is what a kid a child puts together and there's another story I was in when I was living in Detroit. I was going to, I was getting my groceries from the the nearby grocery store. It was a Mexican grocery store, which oh, that place was so awesome. And there was a little boy, probably younger, maybe three years old, in the the cart, in the seat in the cart, and he's with his mom. And again, had a big Michigan like warm beard and bald head. And the little boy pointed at me and said, "Mommy." It's a pequeño papi. And I thought that was really adorable. What, that, what does that mean? A little daddy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and so, you know, there are all of these really beautiful, adorable, innocent, curious comments that, that happen. And then there are also, you know, the situations where I walk up to somebody and say, hey, are you taking a photo of me? Why oh, are wow. you taking why are you taking a photo of me? Or you know, people will laugh and then run away in the in the grocery store or something like that. Or there'll be a kid who points me out and says, Mommy, is that a midget? And then the parents like rip the kid because they're embarrassed and you know, pull them three aisles over and scold them for saying something mean out loud. I my mom tells me that I was good at talking to 
kids and addressing that situation. When I was younger, when I was seven, eight, nine, I will just believe her that I was. (laughs) (laughs) If Um, we're off. (laughs) I don't know. You know, there, there are moments. I had a moment the other day when I was at a friend's house and their, maybe it was an eight year old, their eight year old daughter asked me, why are you so short? And it's interesting because I get warm, you know, like I start to like sweat a little bit and I can feel this isn't the most comfortable thing to always talk about, but I want to talk about it. I want to put it out there. And if you tell the truth to kids, they believe you because (laughs) it's the truth. And that's what they should hear is the truth. You know, they shouldn't hear something that is convoluted and doesn't address what they actually see because kids are very astute. They're very smart. They know when you're BSing them and they get it. And I've taught kids. I've been around a lot of kids. I think that's something that is so redeeming that I think some adults might take for granted because I really think that when a kid is impressionable they are not tainted with you know hate a kid doesn't have hate out of the gate you know they have to learn that you have to learn to yeah you have to learn to be offensive or mean um and that to me comes from a defense mechanism which turns into an immediate reaction and that's where you get the comments and they might not even mean that but that's what rolls off the tongue first i think You've talked about this a little bit, but I think it's almost impossible not to stare at somebody who's super tall, somebody who who's super short, somebody yeah. who's super wide. You know, I, I it's it, my brain is yelling, "Don't stare! Don't stare! Don't stare!" But it's it's having to do that, you know. Yeah. And I, it's it's like we're we're pattern recognition machines, right? We look at things. What's different? Yeah, absolutely. And and I have a lot of that too. Um and so I you know, I am a human just like you are. I don't have a I I'm not wired differently that much from <laughs> someone who is average height. Dwarfism doesn't equal, you know, uh cognitive <laughs> uh disability or something like that. So, um I I w- I want to look as well but I think what clicks in for me is that I've had the experience of being stared at, you know, where, where it's blatant staring, where I'm walking down the street and somebody actually stops in place oh, <laughs> and will watch me a hundred feet come to them and then turn around and watch me walk past them. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I don't do that. Yeah. I'm sure of it. And when I look now, um, I kind of look to see if I could be of aid at all. Like if a, if an individual needs any help, um, just to offer a helping hand, but I don't spend too much time with that because Good. I can sense them being little. We're very sensitive to having people look at us and stare at us and, and take us in. And so I know that other every pe- day, right? All the time. Yes. If I leave the house, it happens. Um, and so I know that other people are sensitive to that as well. And so I guess I've, I've maybe trained myself because I've, I have a similar experience with that. Um, 
so I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to totally like (laughs) suggest or offer Like, I think, you know, for people, especially when they see little people, I I think one thing you can do is just educate yourself on folks that are already out there living their lives and what their perspectives are, you know, you don't have to watch a bunch of leprechaun videos and then say, Oh, I know about little people. You know, there, (laughs) there are little people who write articles and that create art and are dancers and actors. And they do all these other things. I came across somebody's Instagram profile and she's a, uh, she rides horses. Mm. She's an equestrian. It's like, how cool. So awesome. Um, and to just, think about that i don't i don't know because because i know the curiosity i completely understand that and that makes that makes perfect sense um, but i think i think you've given a good description of the the gradation of things you could do or say you know yeah i i, I also think about if i saw you in the grocery store and i saw you looking up at something too high i would probably say hey do you need help reaching anything I think you know, that's perfectly I would, acceptable. I would for probably sure. not lift you up and hold you up to it. <laughs> I would think not that, right? Uh, I want you well, to put me on a stool on a step stool, Allison. I need you to <laughs> listen. I weigh a lot, like so. Yeah, that would think, be problematic. I don't think it's fun to lift me up, actually. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that angle. Yeah. <laughs> well, this, since I, I traditionally talk about tech, and I'm, I'm fascinated with accessible tech, like I've talked about working with blind people a lot, and there's all kinds of really cool stuff. I think that that's you can, so cool. You get to use. It's really fun. Um, so, how do you drive a car? Sure, I use pedal you, extensions. I okay. I bought my high school bought pedal extensions. For, what are they? Uh, for like block. thirty bucks. So they're. Um, they're molded metal, uh, and they have so the brake has a looped screw with threads on both ends. If that makes oh, sense, okay. And it's a oh man, I might be terrible at describing this. There's a wedge that goes behind it, so it like makes the um, connection with the brake pedal uh, okay, adjustable. From the back. Okay. Secure and adjustable. And then the front just has like a little extension of a a pedal. And then the gas pedal is another molded piece that kind of slides on and has a hooked, uh, it has a hook on one end of a, uh, a threaded bolt. So it's a threaded bolt with a hook on one end that you can, um, secure it with a wing nut. And so once you wing, once you screw in that wing nut, it kind of like brings the two, together and causes a secure um, okay. connection to the uh the gas pedal and so are they are they customized to a specific car or can you take these off and go rent a car i can take them off and go rent a car the interesting thing is that my dad is extremely handy and uh crafty and he actually made wooden extenders for my pedals and then drilled through the pedal plates and attached these extenders that were wood that he spray, spray painted black to like look even cooler. That's exactly what I actually pictured them being. Yeah. When you first said pedal extenders is I'd just take a chunk of wood and maybe duct tape, you know. He, my dad made another one for a van because my, um, the van that we were driving to Baltimore to see Dr. Kopitz, um, and that one just has 
a couple of guides on the back of the wooden piece and it just slips over the accelerator pedal. And then I used my existing uh, extension pedal for the, the brake. And so oh, okay. Okay. I only have one pair, oh. which I don't think is the best idea for me. I should probably have, like, I got them when what I was backup for that. I know. There's a phone number on these pedals and no one answers the phone number. So I don't think it's in use anymore, but I think I need to get another, uh, another set. What if you forgot them in a van, in a rental car? Oh, I would be screwed. That'd be the end. Yeah. That would be the end. Oh, gee. I've never even thought about, you just scared me, Allison. I don't want to do that. That's terrible. As a tech person, I think about backups all the time. You got to as have a you backup, should. Right? That's a smart thing to think about, and I did not think of that at all. Oh man, I left yeah, my eyes. I, I... I get to see what he looks like right now. You guys can only hear him, and he's got this look of horror on his face. When well, that. I'm just thinking about like how I would how I would do. I mean, I'm tall enough where um I could drive a car without them. Not it's safely, but very yeah, it's barely safely. I I had a gig in Phoenix um, a couple of years ago, and I had a day off, and I wanted to go see Sedona, so I rented a car, and you know put my extension pedals on the. I think it was a Ford Focus or something. It was a uh, you know a sedan, and I'm driving through the mountains on the windy roads, and my accelerator pedal falls off the accelerator pedal. Oh god. <laughs> And there's trucks all around. We're going 60 miles an hour. Oh. And that was scary because oh, I had to, we were going down out of the seatbelt. I would think I had to like lean all the way forward and like kick the pedal off of the car pedal so that because oh, it's partially there because it's partially there <laughs> and I have no control. And then I just, as I think I put on the flashers and as soon as I could, I got on a, a little turnout on the road and put it on. And then I kept driving and then it fell off again. Oh, no. <laughs> that's the first time that's ever happened to me. Um, twice. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that makes, that makes my head hurt. Cause I also think about it flipping around and going under and you can't hit the brake or something. I mean, exactly. that could have been, that could have been really bad. Yep. Yep. Um, so what do you do about stuff that's too high? Like I, I wrote a joke in the show notes, of course, to say, what do you do? Like if the elevator buttons are too high, do you carry a pool cue with you to like poke the buttons or? I don't have that. Um, I, I can reach a lot of stuff. I'm my okay. arms are pretty able. My legs are are longer than other uh, little people relatively. So, I'm I'm able to reach a lot of stuff in the world. Bank teller windows kind of suck. Luckily, um, we don't go to those anymore. Yeah. Um. <laughs> hopefully, we will. I don't know. Yeah. If I ever get paid <laughs> again for something, I'm going to go to the bank. Um. <laughs> <laughs> they have this thing called direct deposit you could do with your phone. I love that. It's, it's crazy. Amazing. Yeah, just put the money in my... It's all play money, right? It's all I like... I was going to say, how long has it been since you've been paid? That's been invented for a little while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, I'm I'm up on stuff. I'm getting paid for a couple things here and there. It's all good. Uh, what is hard? Grocery stores are maybe the hardest. I ask for help all the time. Um, okay. So I don't have... You know, I don't have any qualms about that. Hmm. My mom was uh, uh, blind, and she found that that in general, people, if you ask for some help, are cool. 
You know, she'd Absolutely. go in the grocery store and just go, hey, can you just have somebody walk around with me and read, read me the labels? And they'd always just go, oh, sure. Okay. Hey, That's Sally, awesome. walk around with her, you know, and it didn't seem like it was a, a big problem. My mother That's made friends awesome. everywhere. So that worked out for her. Yeah, for sure. And, 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 you know, the grocery store helpers are, are, are always awesome. I, I am very lucky. I'm very able. Um, I, some people that I know have issues just opening a door and that's really hard when you weigh under 80 pounds and you know, you're three foot six and you can barely reach the handle and then trying to pull it open. And then also trying to carry the objects that you want to, you know, bring with you. It's the world is not made for us. Um, which kind of goes back to my comment about what Judy human said, like the world doesn't really want us to exist in a lot of senses in the way that it looks at us and treats us. Um, and so, yeah, it, it can be really tough for a number of people, but around the house, I have step stools. Like right now I'm sitting at a desk with a desk chair and I have a stool underneath my feet because it's more comfortable than having my feet dangle. Um, and you know, I have a step stool in the bathroom and in the kitchen. So, um, that's really the only way I can reach the microwave or do the dishes with, you know, easily. (laughs) Right. Without doing it blind over the top of it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Getting water everywhere. Yeah. It's a mess. Well, this this has been really fun, Christoph. Like I said, I think we could go on and on and on for hours. Um, we could. The- <laughs> it's fun to talk to you. Oh, good, good. Well, I, I could sense that you would let me ask the questions that are embarrassing or sound stupid when you say sure. them in your head and you can't ask a stranger. Or Absolutely. maybe you feel like you can't. So I appreciate you letting me ask questions any way I wanted to. Um, <laughs> 100%. You know, I mean... After doing my show and speaking with so many people, I'm I'm comfortable asking answering just about any question. And if it's something I don't want to answer, I'm also comfortable saying I'm gonna have to move on from that one. So make a, make a pass, right? Yeah, all well, of your questions were comfortable, and this was a lot of fun. So thank you. Oh, good, good. I had a good time. So the podcast is called I'm Kind of a Big Deal. You can find it in your podcatcher of choice. I'll have a link to it in the show notes. And on Twitter, you're Christoph ZD. Christoph ZD. Actually, if you don't mind, please go to Big Deal Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Big Deal Pod. That's a great one. Yeah. On Twitter and Instagram. That's great. Great. I will definitely drive people there as long as Google Backup and Sync will stop quitting and covering up my window as I write. I uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. And I hope uh, I know everybody's going to get a big kick out of this and really enjoy having heard from you. Thank you so much, Allison. It's, uh, this has been a pleasure and you're really fun. Thank you. Yay. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says support the show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the NoSillaCast ways learn from you. 
If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other Nocilla castaways. There's two great places to do that. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack, or you can join our Facebook group at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.